going through this series that we started last week on the technology of spiritual promotion. And I want to encourage you, those who weren't with us last week, please um, just get into the habit of catching up during the course of the week from our website. You can listen to our, you can watch our YouTubes, you can listen to audios. Just get into that habit. It will help you so that on the Sunday we then preach the next message, you are in touch with the foundation. I won't have time today to go into the foundation of my message, but last week I was talking about promotion. I was talking about how God is the source of promotion. Amen? And the freedom we experience when we have that revelation that he is the source of our promotion. And we began to talk, talk a little bit about what promotion looks like. What does a promoted person look like? And so today I'm going to start talking to you about the how. The how of spiritual promotion. Amen? If God is your promoter, if God is the source of your promotion, Bible tells us that it's God who judges, he assesses, he raises up one and puts down another. It behooves you, it should be in your interest to figure out how he assesses. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want to know how the Lord Jesus assesses if he is going to raise me up. I want to know what do I need to do differently in order to be raised up by God and to stay in an environment where I'm going from glory to glory. I want to figure that out. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians don't understand that. A lot of Christians will come and will say, but that's up to God, so just leave it in God's hands. And they think they're being spiritual, but they've really got a PhD in foolishness. You know, there are a lot of Christians with a PhD in foolishness. They specialize in foolishness. They could write a book on how to master being foolish. They're Christians. They're going to heaven. Don't get me wrong. Their spirits have been regenerated by God's spirit, but their minds and their hearts haven't caught up. Amen? They, they've mastered the art of being foolish. And so, instead of finding out the technology of spiritual promotion, they say, no, let's just leave it to God. It's up to God. It's in God's hands. I'll just live my life anyhow. But when I look in scripture, I see that God actually gives us as a gift of revelation through the word of God, the technology of spiritual promotion. And throughout my life, I've been studying greatness. Why does God raise up some and why does he demote others? Some people will say, no, God doesn't demote. He does. And you see it in scripture. And so we're going to talk about promotion. And if we've got time, I'm going to go into demotion also. Okay. God raises you up way more than you've worked. Because there's some who will argue and will say, but Paul, aren't we getting legalistic? Paul, isn't that the law? If we start saying, if I do this and this, God will do that and that. No, it's still grace. It's still grace. If I say to you, I've got a million rand for you, but you'll have to go to Pulukwane and sign for it at a particular uh, bank over there. And then you have to fill out the following forms. If you come to me and say, now you have, you're making me work 
for the million rands, I would say you've got a PhD in foolishness. Amen? No, because what's happening is that you signing those forms is unlocking the unmerited favor. And when we look in scripture, we see that God blesses us. God says you're the light of the world. God says you're above and not below. He says you're the apple of my eye. He says, he who believes in me, these things that I'm doing, you will do greater. But he then says, these are the keys to unlock it. How can you say the key is work? How many of us have ever complained if you're given a new vehicle? You know, certain people uh, this, this weekend got new vehicles. But if you're blessed with a new vehicle of that Mercedes-Benz, how many of you will complain and will say, but why do I have to turn the key? Why do I have to turn the key? That's work. No. The blessing is far greater than the turning the key. I'm saying this because for some of you, you've got a mental block to some of these messages. Some people out there have got a mental block to some of these messages. When we say this is the technology, then say, why should there be technology? I must just receive, brother. Receive. And they think they're being spiritual, but they have a PhD in foolishness. Promotion and demotion work at an individual level and also a corporate level. So you can be in a situation where you're in an organization and God is raising you up, but the company is being, has been demoted by God. Now it's important to understand, am I in an environment that is experiencing spiritual demotion? Because you can rise up and up and up in that environment, but you don't want to be in a situation where the environment you're in is going down and down and is not blessed by God. Amen. How many of you know that churches can be demoted? If you look at the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, Jesus is speaking to different churches. And it's interesting because when he speaks to the church at Ephesus, he says something interesting. He says, Yet I hold this against you. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, there's a time frame there. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in time frames. Because if he's saying, if you don't repent, is he saying, if you don't repent today? Is he saying, I'm giving you a week? I mean, if you, for, if you know, for many of us, we've got a grace period for certain things where God's saying, this needs to change in your life. You need to repent of A, B, C, D. If you don't, there are consequences. I know there are a lot of Christians who have PhDs in foolishness and they've come up with theories of no, because we're in the grace zone, there are no consequences. But guys, I'm just reading the Bible. Here, Jesus is speaking to this church. He first affirms them and says, guys, I'm so chuffed with you because you are dealing with these particular people and you're addressing the following issues you're dealing with the Nicolaitans who are preaching wrong doctrine you're addressing the following issues but this one thing I have against you you are not walking in your first love how many times do we have times at church where we come through a prophetic word and we say God is dealing with ABCD God is dealing with gossip God is dealing with the spirit of division we need to repent could it be that Jesus is also saying if you do not repent of XYZ I'm coming and I'm removing your lampstand in whatever sphere he might be speaking of. What, is, what does a lampstand speak of? What does a lampstand hold? Light, glory, Shekinah. 
There are times in scripture where places would be called the glory has departed. And I believe what Jesus is saying here, he's saying your glory as a church, your authority, your influence, your promoted state will be removed if you don't repent of this particular thing. In the same way that he says it to churches, today if we open our ears, he says it to organizations. He says it to small businesses. He says it to families. How many of you know that they're families that were really great in terms of their glory? Everyone just like was blown away by the businesses in that family, the education in that family, the prosperity in that family, the health in that family. But when we look at those families today, we can all say the glory has departed I don't know about you but I want to learn this technology I want to know Lord what are you saying if Jesus if Jesus was saying this to the early church and they didn't hear what he was saying ignorance is not bliss ignorance is not bliss and that's why the refrain throughout Revelation chapter 2 is let the churches hear what the spirit is saying right If you don't hear, ignorance is not bliss. Could it be that the Holy Spirit is saying stuff to us right now and we are not hearing and then that lampstand is removed? That's why the prophetic is so important. That's why it's so important for each one of us to be hearing God for ourselves. So when we speak of promotion, we're talking about it at an individual level, but we're also talking about it at a corporate level. Amen. So how do you get promoted? Do you want to hear, how do you get promoted? What does the Bible say? Not Paul Nyamuda, what does the Bible say? How do you get promoted? How do you experience spiritual promotion? Even if you're unemployed right now, how do you get to that place? And some of you have become cynical. Sometimes you preach these messages and people are like, Paul, I've tried all of that. You haven't tried everything. I tell you right now, by the end of this message, there'll be certain things where you'll go, Paul, I've tried this, I've tried this. Yeah, but now you're getting into self-righteousness. And that's a trap from the enemy. So can we get going with this? How do you get God's attention to promote you? Number one, ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. If you read in scripture, Proverbs 4, verses 7 to 9, it says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. (laughs) Isn't that just amazing? What's the beginning of wisdom? Get it. (laughs) That's why that guy who always says to us, you get it, you get it. Okay, get it. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Let's stop talking about wisdom. Let's get it. If you look in the New Testament, what do they say? They talk about wisdom in the book of James and then they share with us the technology of getting it. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask for it. I don't know about you, but I want wisdom. Why? It says, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So understanding costs you. Why? Because sometimes you have to go through suffering. Sometimes you have to go through pain. That's university fees. Some, some, some Christians have got this thing, especially your hyper-faith Christians, you know. The moment they begin to suffer or struggle in a particular way, automatically they start rebuking it. 
No, sometimes we go through trials so that we get understanding. And that's why when you go through pain and difficulty, ask yourself a key question. What am I learning? What's the school fees that is here? And you use that and you pass it on to your children. Amen? When you're going through difficulty, don't begin to curse God. You know, let me curse God and die. Don't do that. Key question, what have we learned here? If you have an argument with your wife, come out of the argument with some courses. Come out of the argument with some degrees in life. Come out of the argument, honey, what are we learning here? I think I've learned this and this about you. I think you've learned this and this about me. Get understanding, though it may cost you lots. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. People come to my house and they see the library that we've got and they see all the books that we have. Why do I invest so much in books? I still remember the days, where's Maggie? The days when Maggie was our administrator. I still remember those days. I think she's watching by way of, that's quite nice, watching by way of television maybe in the, in the back room there. She, but I remember like I would come and I would say, you know, Maggie, can you just put this in my database in terms of these additional books? Oh, and then these ones. And I remember Maggie even said, okay, I think this is enough now. I think this is enough books now. <laughs> you know how Maggie is, Monroe. You know, she says it like it is. <laughs> the point I'm making is getting understanding might cost you but get it leaders are readers some of you might not be big readers so listen to audios get wisdom learn from other people's mistakes if you sit with someone who you admire don't waste their time by just talking about your life and saying this 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 I'm shocked the number of people who meet with me and they just go off on these tangents talking about this talking about that I'm thinking thinking to myself if you just had sense If you weren't bound by foolishness, you'll be asking more questions. Some of the people in this church who are going to go exceptionally far, they ask good questions. When I meet with people like Lewis, he asks good questions. Such a strong anointing on his life, but he knows how to maximize on moments. Amen? When I meet with people like Michael, excellent people, great in what they do, but they ask more questions than going on rabbit trails. Amen? By the way, in terms of rabbitals, I'm not thinking of anyone right now. There's no one in my mind, but I know they're those types of people. When you meet with them, they just go on tangents. I'm saying maximize on knowledge. Amen? Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her. Cherish her. And she will do what to you? She will exalt you. That word exalt is a similar word to what we use for promotion. We define promotion as to be exalted, exalted, to be raised up. Wisdom promotes you. But it only promotes you when you've got it. Not when you just talk about it. Wisdom is applied knowledge. A lot of people have lots of knowledge about stuff, but they don't apply it. Amen? She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. When the Bible speaks of crowns, it's speaking of rewards. When the Bible speaks of crowns, it's speaking of honor. Just by getting wisdom. So you want to know, number one, how do you get promoted? Get wisdom. Get wisdom. 
Get wisdom. Please say to the person next to you, get wisdom. Please say to the person on your other side, get wisdom. Please distinguish between knowledge and wisdom. To have wisdom, you need knowledge, but don't end with knowledge. Don't end by being the kind of Christian who's just a good note taker in church, but doesn't have wisdom. A friend of mine, probably back in about 1998, said to me, Paul, this is a word for you. Isaiah 11, pray over your life on a daily basis. Keep praying. Isaiah 11. And I pray it regularly over my life. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Get wisdom. Some of you are bound by addictions. Some of you are bound by stuff in your life because you don't have wisdom. Number two, acknowledge Jesus before men. If you want God to promote you because he's the source of promotion, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Acknowledge Jesus before men. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 10 verse 32, whoever acknowledges me, that's Jesus, before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. We're talking about this on Friday night. And the mistake many people make, they put a whole lot of stuff into the afterlife. One day, at the white throne judgment, or at the judgment seat of Christ, yes, that's when we will be acknowledged. No, it's not just then. There's stuff happening right now. Jesus, the Bible says, is making intercession for us. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. Jesus is making requests. When he sees you unashamed of the gospel, standing up in front of your family, not being brash, not being arrogant, but just not being ashamed of Jesus and his teachings. He says, if, if you are ashamed of me and of my teachings, so I'll be ashamed of you when I am in the glory of my Father's splendor. That's what the scripture says. When he sees you acknowledging him in the midst of non-Christians, when he sees you doing what King David did, where he says, I will praise you in the midst of the people. I'll praise you in the midst of the congregation. Where you don't just praise him when you're by yourself in a prayer meeting amongst Christians, but you're able to say to non-Christians, you know what? It was God who did this, and I'm not ashamed. I always, consistently, I've got a covenant with God on this. I always mention that I'm a pastor. If I'm doing some corporate event, whatever I'm doing I do it lest we become ashamed of the gospel lest we become ashamed of the high calling of God on our lives I mention it and I have people who might not have the same faith as me I have people who might not uh, be in the same type of church as me saying I was so glad you mentioned you're a pastor why why it comforts me I'm there I'm coaching them it comforts me that you're a pastor why it's comforting to know If you acknowledge Jesus before men, he acknowledges you before the Father. So what does he do before the Father? He begins to say things like, you know what? I have just seen the way Master Celia honored me at work. You need to release more angels on her behalf. Let's reorganize our angelic system here and let's thrust three more on her behalf. She then drives along the road and she sees that, oh, there was an angel protecting me. Angels are there for protection. Angels are there for uh, their prosperity. Angels of prosperity. Angels of promotion. 
They're healing angels. We'll do a whole study of angels and the roles they play in scripture. But God unleashes them on your behalf. He honors you that way. Amen. He honors you by saying, oh, send that person their way to open such and such a door. Grant them favor with that person and that person. The Holy Spirit then goes and whispers to certain people in authority that, you know what, just notice that individual. Why? Because the word promotion speaks of to be preferred. When you apply for a job, you're one out of 10,000 people maybe applying for it. So when you get it, you've been preferred. But how many of you know that the Holy Spirit can go and whisper to a non-believer and say, just pay attention to that guy. God is my source of promotion. If I want to be promoted by him, I need to figure out the technology of spiritual promotion. It's not about trying to get favor in the flesh from man. It's about tapping into God who's the ruler over all and who can influence men and turn the hearts of kings, the Bible says. I'd rather do it that way. Some of you need to repent of that in your life. Where you've done certain things to be liked by people. Where you've done certain things to gain favor from people. Repent of that before God. So that you can tap into his form of promotion. See, when you start doing things in the flesh, you know what he he, he does? It's like, okay, you've tied my hands. I've said to you in my word that I'm your source of promotion. But if you're now your own source, or if you think your boss is your source of promotion, and you're now compromising that particular value, that's fine. Let's see what happens. Trust in the arm of flesh. Let's see. You know what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17? He who leans on the arm of flesh. You know what happens to that person? It says he will not see prosperity when it comes. Will prosperity come? Yes, it will, but you won't see it. Your eyes will be blind to it. Why? Leaning on the arm of flesh. How many of you know that a lot of the breakthroughs you've experienced in your life is because God opens your eyes, isn't it? He opens your eyes and you begin to see, oh, there's this wonderful opportunity. Question, was that opportunity not there five years ago? Was that opportunity not there two years ago? Why didn't you see it? Why are you only seeing it now? Because maybe you were operating in the flesh back then and you did not see prosperity when it came. Let's pray this morning that God opens our eyes. Number three, serving with the right heart. Serving with the right heart. If you want to experience promotion from heaven, serve with the right heart. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 28. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. We see it happening, don't we? In nations. Not so with you. In other words, one of the key areas where Jesus says you'll be different is how you lead. One of the key areas where Jesus says you'll have a different style and a different approach is in leadership. Those of you who are leaders, whether it's in the church or whether it's in the workplace, how do you lead? Is it different? He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Does Jesus say don't become great? Does Jesus say greatness is a bad thing? 
He doesn't say that. In fact, my book is about to come out, Unlocking Your Greatness. Very, very powerful. He doesn't say that. Jesus here says, whoever wants to be great among you, this is the technology of greatness, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you, how many of you want to be first at work? How many of you want to be first at university? How many of you want to be first um, in, in sports? Whoever wants to be first amongst you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So why is it different in the body of Christ today? Why is it the guys who are the so-called top guys have a whole technology around the art of being served by people and the art of everything revolving around them? The complete opposite of what Jesus is teaching. Amen? If I'm to serve faithfully, then I need to serve faithfully. If it's in preparing a message, I need to be giving my best. I need to be giving my best as unto the Lord because that's my area of service. Amen? Teaching and preaching the word of God is my area of service. If you are doing hospitality, do it to the best of your ability. Even if you are gifted in other ways, say to yourself, Lord, I want you to promote me, but in this season, this is what I'm doing. So I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Why? Because I want greatness one day. Amen? Some of you are going through tests right now and maybe it's the servant test. Question, how faithful are you in serving? How faithful are you in serving? Just as the son of man didn't come to be served. It's so sad today how many leaders, their goal is, how can I be served the most? Four, excelling. Excelling. Daniel chapter 1, verses 19 to 20. The king talked with them, and out of them all... Not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. Isn't that interesting? How do you serve kings? How do you get to serve kings? When the king can notice that, you know what? Out of everyone, there's no one like you. <laughs> Many people today say, yeah, no, mm -hmm, I need to assist my CEO. Yeah, no, I need to be his right-hand man. Oh, yeah, I need to do... Can that CEO look and say, out of everyone here, there's no one like you. Are you excellent at what you do? Verse 20. As for every matter of what? Uh -huh. As of every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. Remember, this was an emperor, hey? This was over many countries. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus, the king. God wants us to be excellent. When you've got the spirit of wisdom in your life, people check you out and they won't make decisions. They won't make decisions without consulting you. I had an experience a couple of days ago. A high official phoned me. Says, Paul, I really need to speak to you. I'm about to make such and such a decision, but I need to speak to you before I make that decision. 
And then I gave them some tools around what they should do. And they were very appreciative. Amen. Why did they ask me? I'm trying to help you tap into this technology because many of you just pray. Lord, give me my breakthrough. Lord, give me my breakthrough. But does the spirit of wisdom rest on your life that your boss doesn't go ahead making certain decisions without first consulting you because you've got demonstrated success in wisdom? Where he knows, I need to get Paul on board. I need to get Lewis on board. I need to get Annette on board. I need to get Tabelo on board. Because of the wisdom on their lives. That's why we have to get wisdom. Amen? We have to get wisdom. I just think we've got this awesome advantage as believers. We've got the mind of Christ. We can tap into his knowledge. He gives us prophetic insight. We can warn people in companies about stuff. And then they look back. And initially they might have resisted. But they're like, but remember when he warned us last time. Remember when she said A, B, C, D last time. Remember, it came out to be true. I think we need to listen to this person. And God raises you up. Amen? Proverbs 22 verse 29. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Is there anything wrong with serving officials of low rank some translations say ordinary people you'll serve kings not ordinary people is there anything wrong with doing so there's nothing wrong with doing so but if you come to me and you say i'm an electrician and i say oh who are you an electrician for say and then you say to me no paul i i I work at the president's house automatically i'm going to be thinking you're one of the best electricians out amen And for some of you here, God wants to raise you up so that you don't just serve ordinary men, but you serve high officials. My passion, as you know, and the work I do, I work as an executive coach. So I coach executives. I coach managers upwards, right? And I remember when I started coaching, I would coach people at a certain level. And then afterwards, I would coach people and I'd say, oh, how many people report to you? Oh, uh, uh, 200, 300. So then it went up a notch. Then afterwards, I started coaching some other people. Oh, how many people report to you? Uh, Oh, 1.9, 2,000 people report to me. So for me, I'm feeling like I'm influencing someone who has 2,000 people under them. Most recently, then I started coaching someone. How many people in your organization? You head up this organization. How many people? How many people? 22,000. So I'm coaching someone and they've got the 22,000 people under them. Can you see how it's going higher and higher and higher? Amen. And I began to ask myself these questions. Please catch my heart as I share with you. I'm sharing with you things that I've learned from life. Amen. I began to ask myself these questions and I wondered, Lord, what are you doing? I remember about, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but in about 2001, I think I was about 26, somewhere there. In about 2001, I was only 26. And I remember the commander of the army in Zim. I got a message through from him and he was doing a particular leadership course. And he wanted me to be the one who took him through it. But he wasn't attending. He's now the general of the army. He wasn't attending the classes because of his different schedule. And so I had to go through to him. And it ended up one-on-one. Ended up one-on-one with the commander of the army. And I was only 26. 
And I remember thinking to myself, but why, Lord? Why? I'm passionate about coaching leaders. Why am I at that stage, 26-year-old young man, and I'm coaching one-on-one the commander of the army? What's going on here? Or mentoring him or taking him through the course. And it was interesting his thinking behind it. He had said he wanted the person who was the examiner of that particular course, which I was. And he wanted the person who had written the module, which I was. If I hadn't been faithful or excellent in what I was doing in terms of doing that, he wouldn't have asked me. If it was a non-Christian who had done it, he would have asked that particular person. Amen? And I had opportunities with him as we sat down and often we would have lunch together he would I would then say are we going to say grace I would say that he didn't suggest I would say that and religiously he would oh okay uh, and maybe take off his cap and okay and I wouldn't just say grace I would begin to pray other things also amen <laughs> what do you think Jesus what do you think Jesus was thinking Paul is honoring me father mm. Honor him. Amen. E. Or five, however you're doing it. When you are faithful with small things, God raises you up when you are faithful with small things. God promotes you when you are faithful with small things. Are you believing God for a promotion at work? How faithful are you with what you have in your hands right now? Are you believing God for a job? How faithful are you with your skills right now? Some of you have got great skills. I mentioned this last week. Some of you are good at talking. Some of you people come to you for advice. Some of you are good at baking. What are you doing with the skills that God has given you? We're speaking last night to another pastor and you're saying people are actually starting businesses where they are they're playing with yo-yos <laughs> for people. It sounds crazy, but God will give you amazing ideas. Are you faithful with the small? Luke 16 verses 10 to 11 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Some of you are saying, God, give me, give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. Give me more cash. Give me that million rand. Give me that windfall. God is saying, have you been faithful with the 10 rand I gave you? Are you the kind of person who's, who's a, you know what a freeloader is in a church? kind of person who comes, who has the tea and biscuits that we have, who complains about things. Yeah, you need to do this, 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 this. Yeah, you know, in this church, you guys, but they never tithe. They never give. That's called a freeloader. You know freeloaders, guys who go for free rides on on, on lorries and that kind of thing. (laughs) Freeloaders. So God is saying, you're praying for the million rand. Have you been faithful with the ten rand? Or are you saying, no, 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 they will cover. You know in most churches what happens? 20%, the Pareto principle kicks in. 20% of the people give 80% of the amount, of the budget. Because some people have a mindset of, I only earn a little bit, so they will cover for me. Giving is not my thing. No. Demonstrate your faithfulness with that 20 rand that you've got. And watch what God will do. He'll then say, okay, I'll give you 40. Because I trust you. Oh, you're faithful with the 40, I'll give you 400. Oh, you're faithful with the 400, I'll give you 4,000. You're faithful with the 400, I'll give you 40,000. I'll give you 400,000. That's how God works. And guess what? I've seen it happen with people in this church. 
in this church people who've learned these principles and have started gradually going to another level have they had tough times yes they have but they've remained faithful so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth who will trust you with true riches some of you believe you're called into ministerial work but you haven't been faithful in your so-called secular job I see it happening where you see people like being like you know the real ministry is yeah praying prophesying and so on and they're very slack at their work look at the scripture so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth who will trust you with true riches you know what this shows me when God looks he looks and he says how are you managing your money how are you managing worldly wealth because how you're managing your money shows me something about yourself and I can entrust you with true riches don't see those kinds of things as non-spiritual how are you managing your finances how are you managing someone else's finances in the workplace if you're in, those of you who are accounting officers I've got a number of accountants actually in this church coming to think of it how many of you are accountants accounting backgrounds bookkeepers that kind of thing I hadn't seen you there, Janet. <laughs> She's an amazing accountant, amazing CA. Okay? If you're faithful with that, managing worldly wealth, watch how the anointing in your life increases. I'll be done just now. If when you're faithful with that which belongs to another yeah let's see who's managed to tick all of these say I know I'm clean I know I'm cool I remember my other message and Cindy was like I know all those points I'm good I'm good I'm here I deal with issues <laughs> Luke 16 verse 12 and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property those of you renting renting houses how do you look after them? If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Right. Some of you, God has called to establish churches. But if you have not been faithful as a small group leader, if you have not been faithful in leadership, in, in someone else's vision, amen? How do you expect things to work out when you're now running with things that God has entrusted you with praise God people like Lewis and Annette have been faithful amen <laughs> just to cover that one there <laughs> okay and I know God is going to bless them so much because the way they've served here and in ministries beforehand where we work together has been phenomenal they've gone the extra mile and I know that whatever they establish in the next month or two is going to explode We'll be going to them and saying, guys, tell us, how did you do it? We will, I promise you. Because of these principles that I know to be true. Are you faithful with that which belongs to another? When you borrow something from someone else, do you look after it? Or do, have, do people have to follow, uh, that book I lent you, yeah, oh, that, uh, that video, that DVD, oh, can I have it? Was it you I lent it to? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> With the small things. 
Amen. When you borrow someone else's vehicle, how do you use it, as the Americans say, as the Texans say? When you borrow someone else's car, how do you use it? Do you just ramp it over potholes when you know that that road has got potholes? Or are you cautious and are you careful? I hear lots of stories. Oh, where is this? Oh, no, I lent it to so-and-so. Oh, where is this? No, I gave it to this other person. It wasn't yours to give. You borrowed it from someone. Look after it. You're the custodian of it. Amen? If you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? How many of you want your own business? Be faithful as you serve someone else's vision. if you want to lead your own department in the workplace you want to you want to be faithful as a servant with a servant heart under the leadership you're currently under how many of you want to establish a church where you're the senior pastor there's nothing wrong with that come on that's what we're into hands aren't going up come on guys be faithful be faithful here. Amen? How many of you want to have your own kids one day? Maybe you should sign up to serve in Go Kids. And faithfully help other people's children. And watch the blessing that comes your way in terms of your own kids one day. You'll never lack a babysitter. People will be just coming, saying, can I look after your kids? You'll never lack. Amen? Maybe start offering proactively to babysit some of the people here. Maybe you should be phoning and saying, Michael Fadzai, sure, things are tricky for you. I know. I think you guys need a date. Here, I just want to bless you. And I will look after your kids. That's community. Maybe you should find out which people in this church don't have help at home in terms of helpers, domestic help. And say, hey, Kathy and Sean Anderson, you know what? I know you guys don't have help and you've got three kids. And, you know, we're just going to step in. Your kids are fairly easy. They're not difficult. They're not demonized or anything. And, you know, we just want to help out. Amen? You see, people who tap into this technology start getting those ideas. And it doesn't end there. You see it coming back in a powerful way. I like it in the New Living Translation. It says, and if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? G, when you serve faithfully despite persecution and opposition, it's what I call leveraging persecution. When people take stuff that's yours, unjustly, do you keep a good attitude? The Bible says in Matthew 5 verse 11, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. How many of you have been persecuted because you're a Christian? How many of you you get teased because you're a Christian? How many of you get teased because of your Christian values? Very often people won't tease you because, oh, you're a Christian, na 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 But because of your values. Oh, why aren't you sleeping with your boyfriend? Oh, you, oh God, you're so extreme. Oh, why aren't you doing this? You're crazy. That's personal. 
persecution because of the teachings of Jesus. Bible says you are blessed when that happens. You're blessed when you're not invited to stuff and you're rejected because you follow Jesus. It's what I call leveraging persecution. Let me just add to that. God watches you in how you react or how you respond when stuff that you believe is rightfully yours is taken from you. When someone else gets credit at work, maybe it's your boss, for stuff that you've done. God watches that. God will reward you. Do you. If you're doing it for him, do you not think he's seen what you've done? And do you not think he will reward you and raise you up? And you'll end up in a higher position than your current boss? It happens with people. I remember one lady who I was coaching. She was in a situation, I've shared this story in different situations, but I'm going to share it again. She was in a situation, she's brilliant, outstanding mind at what she does. She's a CA, outstanding, works in one of the banks. She was working in finance. And what happened was, there was a position that was there. I prophesied over in a coaching session. And I said to her, she's a strong Christian, I said to her, my sister, I see multiple promotion coming your way. She believed what I was saying. A job offer came up for her to be a CFO, which was her, her position, her next sort of level. And she was the obvious candidate. Someone else gets the job, one of her colleagues. She said to me, Paul, I cannot end up reporting to a guy who doesn't pitch up to some of the meetings, to a guy who I have to teach stuff. I cannot report to this guy. I said to her, don't worry about it. What you must do is just remain faithful. Amen? We got into a situation where she, she then moved across to another part of the organization. She also had an opportunity there. She just moved sideways. She didn't get the post she thought she would get. This is not a lie. This is true. Within a few months, she was approached by the CEO of that banking group. Said, I'm coming to have coffee with you. And he invited her to be CEO of a massive division in that particular banking group. Amen? Why did that happen? She served with excellence despite the persecution. It's what I call leveraging persecution. Amen? We've been in situations. There was a ministry before City Life. There was a ministry we were serving in and we started a couple of churches with that ministry. And I remember at a certain point we had a couple of people and a number of people and it really grew, it really exploded. Some of you know the story. And I remember when we moved on from the particular ministry, in our hearts we really felt that these are spiritual children that the Lord has given us. But when we moved on, we were told, uh-uh, this isn't yours, it's not happening. We moved on from that particular environment, but I knew that God would reward later. Amen? Amen. And I remember having a dream. And in the particular dream, I was at that particular ministry. And the, the, the people who we had been pastoring then saw a gave me a particular verse. And they said, read 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is in a dream. I then wake up and I'm like, oh, I dreamt about 1 Corinthians chapter 9. What is 1 Corinthians chapter 9? I then look at it. And what it said was, am, it's where Paul says, am I not an apostle? I may not be to others, but I am to you, for you were my work in the Lord. Amen? And so that particular work we did uh, with that particular grouping of people, I believe was significant. And although we moved from it, 
God is the rewarder. Amen? God is the rewarder. And I believe that it's part of our inheritance. And I believe as a result of that work that we did, Vim, the ministry, the campus ministry that God has given you, I know like I know like I know it's going to explode. Why? It's part of our inheritance. Can I hear an amen? amen. It's part of our inheritance. But you don't badmouth people. You focus on Jesus because he's the source of promotion. Next point, when you do things in secret. When you do things in secret. Matthew 6, verse 4 to 6. So that your giving will be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's talking about alms giving. It's, talking about, it's not talking about tithing. Please, when you tithe and you do an EFT, let us know who you are. Sometimes we want to thank people. Sometimes we want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. I know sometimes people don't like putting their name to something. Because then if there's a gap over a couple of months, it will then be exposed. I know that. And they make it like, no, 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 I just don't want it to be known. It's me. It's my secret. Okay, administratively it's important Amen It's important to understand these things You know what I'm talking about We're planting a church Basically all the people who were, who were on the church plant They were consistent givers It's useful to then know Okay, this is how much they were giving and so on That's now going to the church that's being planted So this is the gap that's there Let's believe God for X amount Administratively it's useful knowing So put your name to it There's nothing wrong with that This is talking about alms giving This is talking about if I do something for Sean and Sunera, I don't have to announce it to the whole world. Yeah, guys, the other day I did this and this for Sean and Sunera. Amen? So it says that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 5, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I want to be rewarded by God. I want to be promoted by God. So there's certain things I've learned I know to do in secret. There are certain types of prayers I need to pray in secret and don't have to announce to everyone that oh, the other day I was praying this and this. Now sometimes we do that because we want to encourage someone. Hey my brother, I've been praying for you. But make sure your motive is right. Because sometimes we tell people because we want them to see us as spiritual. And we want something from them and it's love with a hook. Amen? Do stuff in secret. Those of you who want to be raised up as leaders in the city with authority, pray in secret. How many of you know that as a leader, you have to be ahead of the game in certain things? You can't have your, all, all the people following you outdoing you spiritually and you're a spiritual dwarf. I'm just talking about leadership. Just because you're cleverer than some people around you doesn't give you the spiritual authority to lead them. Amen? There's, there's warfare that happens in secret. And God sees it and he acknowledges it. Don't be the kind of Christian where you only pray in corporate prayer. Don't be the kind of Christian where you only give where everyone knows that you're giving. Happens in some churches. Amen? And pastors use that as a motivator to announce. And then they ride on people's flesh to give more because it's done in public. 
I believe in the prophetic word you receive. Believe in the prophetic word that you receive. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 20. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you'll be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you'll be successful. Some translations say, Believe in the Lord and you'll be established. Believe in his prophets and you will prosper. So how does prosperity come? Well, one of the avenues is actually believing in the prophetic word. Very often before I go into a business meeting, my wife would have been praying for me and she'll declare to me as a prophet and she'll say, you know what? I see this and this and this and I see you doing this and this and this. I take it very, very seriously. Yes, she's my wife. Yes, I'm her covering, but I recognize her, the prophetic mantle on her life. I'm like, oh, this is an awesome gift. I take that and then I walk in the particular thing and it happens. Power of agreement with the prophetic word. Believe in my prophets and you will prosper. I'm telling you right now, the breakthrough that these guys have experienced, the Manumas, in their business. One of the key distinctions about them as a couple, and they will know, they believed the prophetic word. They were in a particular situation. At a certain point, strong prophecies were declared over them. They took them to heart. They took them extremely seriously. And they began to walk in the favor of God. To a point where they're like, we need more people. We need more people. Am I, am I right in saying it? I'm right in saying it. They were the ones who testified. It's not coming from me. They're the ones where I'd forgotten what had been prophesied. And they came and they said, no, but we stood by that particular. You said this and this and this and this. We stood by that. They waged war according to the prophecy. Last point, J. Accepting responsibility. I've been crying out and I've been saying, Lord, give us the city. Lord, give us Swane. Lord, give us the city. Lord, give us the city. Each time I cry that out, God says to me, are you going to take responsibility for the city? Are you going to take responsibility for the abandoned babies in the city? Are you going to take responsibility for the crime in the city? Many of us want to be promoted, but we don't want to be responsible. Many of us want high positions in society, but we're not willing to take the responsibility. It's like crying out saying, Lord, give me a baby, give me a baby. But are you willing to pay the school fees? Are you willing to feed that baby? What's the responsibility? The scripture there is Isaiah 6 verse 8. Trace declared it the other day. Here I am, Lord, send me. If you want God to promote you, begin to pray that prayer. Here I am, Lord, send me. Let's pray.